Hey, you all, it's Madison Costner, and I'm going to be reading our scripture lesson for today. It comes from Acts 2, and it's verses 1 through 13. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from the heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things that God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A couple of nights ago, Daniel and my kids wanted to go down to the Alcoa Duck Pond uh, to fish. Uh, They stocked the pond recently, and so they wanted to go test their luck. And I'll be honest, I said yes because I love them. Um, It's not uh, that, not because I thought it was great, not because that was how I wanted to spend my evening. And it's not that I don't like fishing. It's just that I don't like not catching anything. And in my experience, a lot of fishing is not catching anything anything. And so I think that's a terrible way to spend your time. Fishing is a great way to spend your time. Catching stuff, not catching stuff, not a good way to spend your time. So we go down there and for the first like hour or so, it's a lot of standing around. Um, But there were some of our neighbors there and and that was fun. It's good to see people. I'd almost forgotten what it feels like to see people live in person. And and so that was wonderful. Uh, it, It was good. But then about an hour or so in, I was holding a fishing rod and the bobber disappeared, and I got so excited. And so I just start reeling in uh, this huge catfish, and it went, the night went from good to great in a matter of seconds. Like it's one thing to watch someone else reel in a fish, it's a whole other thing to experience it. It was a whole other thing to experience it. I think uh, the story of Pentecost is a little bit uh, like that. It's a story that I heard growing up, and, and it's a really good story. Uh, but when stories open up, when they come alive, when they match our experiences, um, they go from good to great, right? Uh, our story today that Madison read, we have disciples and they're meeting together, uh, hiding, essentially hiding in a room and, and with a sound from heaven, uh, what Eugene Peterson in the message version calls gale force winds, gale force winds blow into the room. And Luke tells us that like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit settles on them. 
And something happens. Something happens to them. They, they become ablaze with the Spirit of God. They start speaking in tongues. People from all over Jerusalem are speaking a language um, in a dialect that everyone can understand. And then the followers of Jesus, they become the middle of town. And people from all over are there, not just Jerusalem. Romans and, and all of the words that Madison pronounced unbelievably. Um, everyone's there. And uh, everyone can understand what's being being said. And the townspeople that are watching this, the, the crowd that's gathered, they, they feel like there's only two options uh, that could be true. Either it was truly the Spirit of God ablaze in the hearts of the people, or uh, they were drunk. Those were the two options. Beekner, Frederick Beekner, that we quote a lot, he, he says that both are true. God's spirit is absolutely on fire and ablaze in his people. And God's people are drunk, inebriated with the spirit of God and blazed in their hearts. It's a really, really good story, Pentecost. It, it, it's a wild story. And for so much of my life, I read it uh, like a story that happened once. A story that happened to the disciples, like a firecracker that, that set off the movement and the momentum of the church that... That, that's how you read a really good story. But, but the truth is that the scriptures don't really set up the indwelling and the ablaze of the Spirit of God as something that would only happen once or a handful of times in order to get the church rolling. Uh, beginning in the Old Testament, Joel the prophet, who um, right after the part that Madison finished on, Peter gives this sermon and he quotes uh, this passage from Joel. Joel the prophet tells uh, God's people that one day he will pour out his spirit on all people. That sons and daughters and men and women will prophesy and see visions and, and dream dreams and that they will see signs on the earth and wonders from heaven and that people will be rescued because of all of this. Jesus talks about uh, the indwelling of the Spirit beyond just one thing or a handful of things. Uh, he talks about the power that his people will receive uh, when the Holy Spirit sets them ablaze. In Mark chapter 16, Jesus says that, that the, the power will come and it will come with miraculous signs and speaking new languages and healing the sick and casting out devils and darkness and evil. Uh, the writer of Hebrews tells us that, that it's the signs and wonders of the power of the Spirit, that they are how God confirms the rescuing message of Jesus through us, his people. Hebrews 2.4 says, And God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose. Pentecost isn't just a story about something that happened once. It's a story about what's possible within the kingdom of God. What's possible when the Holy Spirit blows through your life like a windstorm, waking you up and setting you ablaze for the rescuing and redeeming work of the kingdom. It's a story about something that we have access to. Uh, when I reeled in the fish the other night, I thought I'd be really cool about it and like, uh, reel it in and grab it and yank the hook out of its mouth and, I don't know, be cool about it. And um, but, but the truth is Daniel had to help me reel it in because I got nervous and thought I was going to break the fishing rod. And then as he got it, he grabbed the fish and I didn't uh, protest because uh, it smelled awful. You know, catfish smell really bad. Uh, maybe it's just duck pond catfish, uh, but that fish smelled like an old boot. 
Uh, my friend Sam says that that's because that's what catfish eat, old boots. Um, and so I, I, I thought it was uh, exhilarating reeling it in, but when it got close, that fish was weird. And I was uncomfortable. And I was a little squeamish, and I felt confused, uh, sort, of, sort of like I had missed the lesson on what you were supposed to do after you reel in a fish. And so I'm not trying to say that the Holy Spirit is a catfish. I mean, I guess I'm kind of trying to say that. But what I'm trying to say is that I think for a lot of us, the actual experience of the Holy Spirit was like me reeling in a catfish. Uh, when we get much closer uh, than dipping our toe in the when we get close enough to experience the work and the power of the Holy Spirit, it gets a little weird and it makes us uncomfortable and we feel a little bit confused. Like maybe we missed the Sunday where they told us exactly what the Holy Spirit is and how he works and what to do with all of that, like a systematic approach to the Holy Spirit. Uh, I, I can't cover the entire work of the Holy Spirit in our short time together this morning. There is so much to say. Um, but I also think it's something that we talk about a lot and it's something that we'll continue to talk about a lot at Springbrook because uh, we don't think that the work of the Spirit is a good story that happened once or a handful of times at the vineyard. We believe uh, that the empowering ablaze of the Holy Spirit is a great story. We, we believe that the Spirit is moving and active in our world today, that, that we can actually experience the power and the wonder of God's Spirit now, today, uh, that there is wisdom and knowledge and healing and language and kicking out darkness and devils happening uh, through the Spirit of God in the lives of people today, healing through the Spirit of God in the lives of people today. And another reason I can't uh, cover uh, all of the Holy Spirit is because uh, the Holy Spirit is wild. Uh, like w what we read in Hebrews, God uses the gifts and the work and the power of the Spirit whenever he wants to. The best way we have to say it is we call it the already and the not yet of the kingdom of God. And um, the Holy Spirit is hard to talk about and hard to explain and hard to understand sometimes or experience sometimes because the Spirit of God operates very much out of our control. I, I think uh, the only thing that we have control of is how open we are to the experience of the Holy Spirit. And, and some people believe that we don't even have control of that. Uh, the Celtic Christians, their, their phrase for Holy Spirit is literally translated wild goose. It's a phrase that, that reminds us that the Holy Spirit of God cannot be tamed or controlled by humans. So it becomes something tricky to put your finger on, tricky to explain. Um, but I want to do two things in our time, the rest of the time that we have together today. The first is I want to give you some insight um, just a few things that we can glean from Acts chapter 2 uh, so that we can look and see the active work of, of the Spirit of God in our lives and the lives of people uh, around us and all throughout the world. And then, and then the second thing is I just want to pray for us. I want to pray for you, for our church, for our uh, country, for, um, for more of God's Spirit. And so... Um, so first, some observations. The, the, one of my favorite things I've ever read about waking up to the power and the activity of God's spirit comes from um, a very often quoted uh, person around here, Barbara Brown Taylor. And this is what she says. She says, once you get the hang of it, the evidence is easier and easier to spot. Whenever two plus two does not equal four, but five, Whenever you find yourself speaking with an eloquence you know you do not have or offering a forgiveness you had not meant to offer. 
Whenever you find yourself taking risks you thought you did not have the courage to take or reaching out to someone you had intended to walk away from, you can be pretty sure that you are learning about the work of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 uh, gives us some clues uh, to wake us up to learning how to notice the work of the Spirit. And, and if you're looking for a good way to spend time this week, read it. Read the whole chapter. It is bonkers. It is so good. So, um, But the Spirit of God does loads of things in Acts chapter 2. These are just a few of the things that we see uh, God's Spirit doing. We, we see the Holy Spirit bringing order to chaos. Uh, we see the Holy Spirit changing and transforming the hearts of men and women, and we see the Holy Spirit uh, moving people into action. I, I want to spend just a few minutes on each of these. Uh, the, the first one, the Holy Spirit bringing order uh, from chaos. At the beginning of the story that Madison read in Acts 2, uh, it's Christians in a room, um, and they have to be chaotic in their brains in this moment. Jesus has just ascended to heaven He's given them really clear instructions, and they don't really know how to take the next steps that Jesus has asked of them. And then the Holy Spirit comes in and wakes them up to the active power of God and sets the power of God ablaze in their hearts. And then for the rest of the chapter, really the rest of the book of Acts, uh, we see the church organizing and spreading all over like the wildfire that blew into the room. In fact, um, in the first mention of the Holy Spirit in all of the Bible comes in Genesis chapter 1, at the very beginning of the story. In Genesis chapter 1, it talks about how the world was, was formless and empty, um, uh, like a dark and deep water. And the Jewish imagery here uh, in this old, old text, it, it, the, the imagery here is one of complete chaos. And then Genesis 1-2 tells us that the Spirit of God uh, was hovering there, hovering over the chaos. From the first mention of the Spirit, the Spirit settles that which is chaotic. That is the power, part of the power of the Spirit of God to take the places of chaos in our lives and to speak order into them. Uh, here's an example of how I see that at work today uh, in me personally and uh, all over. I struggle quite a bit with anxiety and, and people that I love and I'm very close to struggle uh, quite a bit with anxiety. And if you have anxiety, then this may resonate with you. And if you don't, maybe it gives you a picture uh, into what people experience with, with anxiety. But, but when I think of anxiety, the best way I know to describe it is, is I think of chaos, complete and utter chaos in your mind and often in your body as well. Uh, people don't lie, or people get uncomfortable uh, when you talk about demons or casting out devils. But but here's the thing: I think one of the most demonic things in the world right now that is one of the things that is stealing uh, so much hope and joy and peace out of people is anxiety. It, it's not that I think people with anxiety are demonic. It, it's that I think that the power of darkness is using anxiety to spin so many of our lives and our hearts out of control and into chaos. And I believe that God's spirit brings order into chaos. I, I, I've seen it in my own life, in my own heart. The, the Psalms tell us that God lives in the heavens and he does whatever pleases him. And I, I think there are moments, big and small, when the pleasure of God is to breathe peace into the chaos of my mind and of my heart, of your mind and of your heart, to, to bring joy into the spiral, to bring hope into the panic through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
But in addition to that, I, I truly believe that, that wherever there is chaos, we actually have access uh, to the power of the calm of the Holy Spirit. That through prayer or breath or counseling or medication or healing, we, we have access to the power of order in the midst of our chaos. Uh, for you, it may not be anxiety. It might be something else. But I believe that the Holy Spirit has uh, absolutely has something to say about all of the places of chaos in our lives and in our world. And part of the story of Pentecost is that as a follower of Jesus, we have been empowered to call uh, for order wherever it is that we see chaos in the world. I, like I said, I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in the lives of people I love the unexplainable calm that settles over the deep water of chaos and panic when we call out for the power of the Holy Spirit who hovers over all of it. Uh, the, the second thing that we see in Acts chapter 2 is that the Holy Spirit brings change and transformation in the hearts of men and women. Uh, right after the verses Madison read, I said Peter gives a sermon. Peter, he stands up in front of the whole city that's gathered and he starts preaching. Uh, Peter, who gets it wrong so often. Uh, Peter, who doesn't always know the answer. Peter, who weeks earlier was terrified of even being associated with Jesus. Peter, he stands up in front of the whole town and with confidence and power, he uh, proclaims the rescue of Jesus and the power of the Spirit and the kingdom of God that is at hand. The Holy Spirit changes things. He makes things different, changing uh, the way that we do things. I've been thinking about this a lot since yesterday. Um, I watched the video of George Floyd dying. Um, Google him if you don't know what, what I'm talking about. George Floyd. I, I watched the video of him dying and I, I stared at it. And I took these deep breaths I had to pause it and breathe, and then every time I took a breath, I thought about all of the breaths that he doesn't get to take now, and I cried, and I wondered what to do, and I felt helpless, and I felt hopeless, and I know that many of you feel uh, the, the, the same way, especially my black and brown brothers and sisters. I, I, I know you had to feel similar, and, and so when it comes to reconciling racial tension in an evil world, we... We need the work and the power of the Spirit of God. God's Spirit has a lot to teach us and show us and draw out of us in the name of transformation for racism in America. To transform us into the kind of people that want to be brave and want to try in the name of reconciliation, even if we mess up. To be the kind of people that, uh, that will be transformed um, as a hero in the vineyard of mine, Gino Allison says. To be transformed into people who place honor and value in the people and places and things that God places honor and value in. As the church, uh, we must be transformed. We, we must use our voice just like we prayed at the very beginning that, that we, it is our mission to, to restore. We have been tasked with the, the, um, the project of, of restoring honor. We have been tasked with the protection and value of the image of God in people, the Imago Dei image bearers. We uh, have a role as the church in this. And we must use our voice. And as a predominantly white church, we have a lot to learn about how to do that well. 
But I believe in the power of transformation. I believe that it is available us through the work of the Spirit of God for repentance and reconciliation and for the renewal of all things. May Lord have mercy on us and Christ have mercy on us. The Holy Spirit is in the business of transformation. It's an outside work and it's an inside work taking us from one thing and making us into something new. Um, one of my favorite verses about this comes from Ezekiel 36, where uh, the prophet declares God's intent uh, to soften the hard and rough edges within us. It's, it's, it's a, a, a prayer in my own life and a prayer of mine for our church. Ezekiel 36, 26 says this, and I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart, and I will give you a tender and responsive heart. Like I said, this is a prayer for my own life and a a prayer for our church that we might chase after and long for the transforming work of the Spirit to soften our hard edges, to tenderize what is stubborn in us and to make us people who aren't blind to the evil around us, but who are responsive to the work of the kingdom, to what we've been tasked to do. The third thing that we see in Acts chapter 2 is, or uh, of many things, but, but the third thing for today is that the Holy Spirit is moving us into action. Uh, the thing is, the Holy Spirit is, is always doing that. He, he's nudging us, drawing us, leading us somewhere deeper than we currently are. In our text today, we see the Holy Spirit land on a group of people, and it's worth noting that their next step is not to just sit around and talk about it. Their next step is to go to the city, to go to the crowds, to to go to their people. Their next step is to walk out in purpose, uh, being to the world what Jesus asked them to do and and to be before he ascended into heaven. We don't uh, see the people of God just sitting around talking about a good story. We see the people of the early church walking in the power of a great story. In our lives, the Spirit works the same way, uh, always waking us up uh, to something deeper or drawing uh, drawing something more out of us that was previously uh, not there or empowering us into action. Uh, John Wimber, who started the vineyard, he used to say that we are loose change in the Lord's pocket and he will spend us however he wants to. Sometimes, I I wish all the time, um, but the honest truth is sometimes that's how I pray. Sometimes I pray that I would be the kind of person that God would spin me however he wants to. And I have to be honest, part of the reason that I don't pray that all the time is because I forget and I'm easily sidetracked. And another big reason I don't pray that all the time is because it's a really dangerous prayer. To be honest with you, it ruined my whole life. I have to be a preacher now because I prayed a prayer like that. Peter as a coin in God's pocket, spit by God however he wished, starts preaching in the middle of town. Peter starts preaching. And other people, at the end of Acts chapter 2, we see they start selling all of their things. Paul, he leaves his entire life behind. Wild stuff happens when, uh, with the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit calls us into action. But I can promise you, it is so much better to live out uh, the empowering of a great story than just to read and observe and talk about a good one. The Holy Spirit reminds us that we are change meant to be spit, that we, are, that we were created on purpose for purpose, as we say all the time. And, and, and as that work happens through the Holy Spirit, we, we slowly start risking in the name of Jesus. 
uh, Eleanor Mumford, a, a leader in the vineyard uh, that I adore, she says part of the work of the Spirit is that he makes you brave and he makes you want to take a try even if you mess up. Part of walking in purpose, part of being spent uh, for Jesus means taking risks and messing up. It means saying the wrong thing. It means doing the wrong thing. Sometimes I get it really wrong and it's embarrassing. And then sometimes I get it really right and it's embarrassing. But we move into action by the Spirit who empowers us and makes us brave and makes us want to try. So if you're wondering how do you spot the work of the Spirit in your life, you can find uh, the work of the Spirit when order comes into chaos, when transformation happens in the heart hearts of men and women and you can you can spot the spirit in that um, nudging sometimes nagging feeling like you were made for something more so maybe ask maybe ask God's spirit what what did you make me for or or risk pray uh, today God spend me however it is that you want to and there will be crazy stories obeying God leads to uh, as many wild places as it does totally normal ones so Spend me today however you want. Um, for our sale today, I just want to do what I said. I just I want to pray, and I, I just want to ask God's Spirit for more of God's Spirit in us and in our church and in our community. So let's pray together. God, I pray that, um, I pray that you would give us more. We say, come Holy Spirit, and, and we ask for more of you. I pray that you would wake us up to your spirit at work in the world and at work in our lives. I pray that you would, like a gale force wind, that you would come and you would set us ablaze. I pray that you would give us eyes to see what you're up to uh, in our world, on our streets, in our neighborhoods, in our town, in our workplaces, in our families. Will you give us eyes to see where you are and what you're doing so that we can join you as you put things back together I pray that, um, that you would remind us that you have empowered us uh, to honor humanity, to honor human beings, that, that you have tasked us with um, the protection of life, with the protection of the image of God. And so I pray that as we um, lean forward and we think how we could be solutions, how we could actually be spent um, for you risk being spent by you, that you would transform us, that you would give us a new heart, that you would put a new spirit in us, that you would take out what is stony and stubborn and that you would replace it with something that is tender and responsive. We pray for the courage to trust your spirit at work in our lives and at work in the world. In your name we pray, amen.